As Americans do more of their financial transactions online, it becomes more likely that they'll be targeted by more digital scams and fraud attempts. Banks and other financial institutions will have a bigger challenge to protect themselves and their customers from this threat. Mary Helen McElfrish, Senior Director for Fraud Risk Prevention at Zelle, will be with us today to discuss what her company is doing to try to stay at least one step ahead of the scammers and fraudsters when it comes to person-to-person -person payments. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Our guest for this episode is Mary Helen McElfrish, Senior Director for Zell Fraud Risk Prevention at Zell's parent company, Early Warning Services. Mary Helen is with us to discuss the growth of person-to-person -person payments and how her company is addressing the fraud risk challenges that accompany that growth. Mary Helen, we appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for having me. I'd imagine that most of our listeners are familiar with Zell, and many are already part of the network, but perhaps the best place to start is if you could give us a brief overview of the company and its services, how many banking institutions you work with, and maybe a little bit about your growth curve. Sure, thank you. Uh, yeah, so the Zell Network connects financial institutions of all sizes, and it really enables consumers and businesses to send fast digital payments to people who they know and trust with the bank uh, within the United States. And I think to send it to people who know and trust is, is really key within the, the Zelle payments. You know, it's brought to you by Early Warning, right? So that's our parent company here. And we're owned by seven of the largest banks in the country. And today, one in two of our U.S. adults with a bank account have access to Zelle, whether in their mobile app or within their online banking at their bank. And out-of-network consumers, and those are people who, whose banks don't participate in Zelle, they also have the ability to use Zelle through our common mobile app that we provide. What about the growth curve for person-to-person -person payments overall? I mean, it seems like adoption has really taken off, and it's not just the millennials and Gen Z doing it. Yeah, we've definitely seen adoption of person-to-person -person really continue to grow and rise, really with all generations. You know, in Zelle, for Zelle 2019 digital payment survey that we did, we found that 50% of first-time payment person-to-person -person users were age 45 and older, which is great, right? We have a great usage there. And really, consumers use Zelle for a wide range of just everyday transactions. You think we've seen some top cases where consumers are using it to pay their rent. You know, when they when they go to, to dinner or lunch, they share their meal, they send the payments that way, and even just things. So we're seeing a lot of different use cases of, of how Zelle is being used. Um, and we do have, you know, our transaction dates are very similar to what you would think of from a, you know, a payroll perspective. So we see Zelle transactions high within the month around the 1st and 15th of every month which coordinates to when people get paid and, and then start sending money to each other. Wherever there's money changing hands, whether it's on the 1st or the 15th, that's going to catch the attention of scammers and fraudsters. So what is Zelle doing to stay in front of the curve on that? And what areas are particularly of interest to your fraud protection team now? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to really distinguish between fraud and scams. You know, there's a lot to it, but really in a basic way is to differentiate what those two mean. So, you know, you've got fraud and scams consist of unauthorized and authorized transactions. 
So a fraud is really typical. I think what most people think of fraud where somebody gains access to your bank account and makes a payment without your permission and you, you had no involvement within that transaction. It's typically considered fraud because it wasn't authorized. Um, but because you did not authorize the payment, you typically would get your money back from your financial institution when you, when you claim fraud. Um, and a scam, a lot of uh, financial institutions, you know, see scams differently, but we at Zell consider scam as a fraud type. So if you're, a scam is really when you're knowingly involved in the transaction and you give the okay by authorizing a payment to be sent, uh, but you, maybe you didn't receive what you were promised. So that's like typically, uh, you know, if you order tickets, concert tickets or something and you send the money and you don't actually get a ticket or you want to buy a puppy and you see puppy online and you send the money and you don't really get the puppy or the puppy never exists, but they took your money. And so really a scam is where you authorize payment for goods and services, but you just you didn't get it fulfilled. And so you may not be able to get your money back, but because it's authorized payment, it's important to report those to make sure that we try to get the scammers out of the network. A couple of things, you know, we talk about what are we looking at or what are we concerned about within fraud prevention here at Zell? And really, we look at, you know, sending fraud and receiving fraud. So within a Zell transaction, you have a sender and you have a receiver. And we look at fraud in those two scenarios and understanding, you know, how can we prevent uh, the send fraud from happening when we're looking at registered tokens and a token can be an email or a mobile phone number um, or on the device. So we're looking at quite a, quite a different data elements to determine whether or not we see some velocity or intelligence around those devices, intelligence around the email or even a debit card usage uh, to be able to determine uh, when we think fraud might be occurring and mitigate some of those strategies that way. We also look at receiver fraud and what that is looking at is you know, you've got the sender but you know, who's receiving the funds and, you know, we see a lot of token flipping and what that means is where a consumer registers at their bank with, uh, with Zelle enrolling either a phone number or an email and we see them continually changing that over time. And so that can be an indication that consumer at the bank is really a fraudster and they've set up mule accounts uh, really to can get money sent in and then move the money out. So we look at that quite a bit and really just trying to understand what trends there are, how do we help mitigate within our cloud mobile app, but how do we also mitigate within the banks individually within the particular fraud uh, prevention measures. And, you know, we're also seeing, I think one scheme that we're seeing across the industry right now is a one-time passcode fraud scheme where the fraudsters are impersonating the bank and they're calling consumers and they are telling the consumers that where they're going to send them a one-time passcode, please, please read that over the phone. They're trying to mitigate fraud when it's really the fraudster trying to send some funds. So it's really just understanding what's happening within the network at any given time um, and really trying to do mitigation um, to prevent that type of fraud from occurring in the future. That makes sense. Um, obviously, security is key for Zelle, uh, goes without saying. But another key for you is, is ease of use, right? So how much of a challenge is it to keep those attributes in balance? And and how often do you have, say, unbridgeable conflict between security and, and usability? And when that happens, how do you handle it? Well, Terry, you're right. Security and consumer protection are really our top priority. And we're constantly optimizing the Zelle experience to achieve the right balance between reducing consumer friction and the need for financial institution security. So we currently offer protections like send limits, uh, and real-time alerts to help consumers use all safely. Uh, we have alerts that pop up, messaging, reminding folks to just only send money to those 
uh, that they know and trust and reminder given at the time of payment around the one-time passcode to make sure that the consumer knows that nobody will ask for that information. It's really common today in the fraud scheme. So it's really trying to get those warnings and those notifications out front when the consumer is in the moment making that payment. Again, not, not to really cause friction to prevent the transactions, but really making them aware of what's happening um, so that they can send money with some assurance that there's you know, no fraud and they're sending it to the right person. How does Zelle work with your owner banks and participating banks in devising ways to prevent fraud? And uh, by that, I mean how much information sharing is there, how much proactive cooperation, things like that. Yeah, we work together with all of our FIs uh, really within the immediate investigation of any activity that's happening that might help ensure that certain bad actors don't have access to Zelle. So we don't just work with our owner banks. We, we work with our entire participant base who uses Zelle. Uh, we have you know, regular fraud forums on a monthly basis to really stay on top of what's currently happening within the fraud network. Uh, we have, you know, participation from our FIs in those sessions. So we will, you know, early warning, we'll have specific topics to talk about on a monthly basis, but we also have quite a bit of interaction within our participants, really just talking about what's happening in their, their organization, trying to understand best practices. Um, we have webinars that we allow all our participants to participate in. And then we have a thorough process of really reporting and, and researching fraud cases that come in. Most users experience Zelle as part of their bank app, which is where a lot of the banks have multi-factor authentication and other security layers that are imposed within the digital channels. And we look at that across across the network. So we, you know, we look at the fraud that's reported in. We don't just manage fraud within the common app, but we do share across the network the trends that we're seeing and really ways to, to mitigate that. Uh, so, you know, as we talked about earlier, we were talking about the one-time passcode scammers and the token flipping. That's really something that we share across the board so that we can, you know, get folks looking at their end, what's happening in their space, and really trying to be proactive to mitigate uh, as fraud tends to move from financial institution to financial institution. When new banks and credit unions want to join the Zelle network, what security standards, what kind of uh, infrastructure do you need them to have? We have network standards that every bank and credit union must meet in order to join and go live with Zelle. So they must be FDIC-insured bank or NCUA-insured credit union. Along with that, we have onboarding checklists that we, we work with each participant to make sure that they're ready to go live. Specifically for fraud, we look at one-time passcodes or mobile authentication processes. Uh, we want to make sure they have real-time fraud detection capabilities. And what that means is having the ability to, you know, decline a transaction or stop a transaction as it's being uh, sent because of fraud strategies or rules that they have in place. And, you know, we want to make sure that their fraud detection system is integrated with the digital data captured from the PC or mobile phone during their their bank usage. So we really try to make sure that they're aware that, you know, how fraud can happen and, and ways to prevent fraud, uh, really making sure they're ready to go live so that they don't have, you know, a fraud attack as soon as they, they go live with Zelle. Mary Helen, um, social engineering is the most common access point for financial scams and, and for fraud overall. Um, does that also hold true at Zelle? And if so, how do you and your participating banks, your member banks, work together to deal with that? It does, absolutely. And we've made significant effort to work with our participating finance institutions, you know, to share with their customers 
on how effectively to use Zelle and how to spot potential fraudsters. Unfortunately, you know, our consumers sometimes are our weakest link within the fraud world, but, you know, we work to reinforce the message that consumers should only send money to people they know and trust, you know, and that message is included in, you know, the FI experience, the Zelle app, throughout our website and within our consumer materials, uh, like Pay Safe, you know, which is our digital advertising campaign. Uh, you know, the consumer education program is in addition to the work that we do with our participant financial institutions to really apply layers of security measures to protect consumers against fraud. You know, and working with our fraud form calls, we really have a joint participation and sharing on common fraud cases. So the FIs get the information that their consumers need that they can help educate, you know, the network and other FIs. So we do a lot there, really just making sure education is key in that space. And we're continually improving that as we see fit. So aside from that continuing education effort and the business goals, like expanding the network to more banks and, and credit unions, what else can we expect to see from Zelle in the coming years? Sure. You know, we're working with participating FIs to really expand the use case for Zelle. You know, two that we're really proud of um, that have launched are Zelle disbursements and Zelle small business. You know, disbursements is really, you know, allowing companies and government agencies to use Zelle uh, to send their payments like rebates or refunds and other disbursements to consumers. And for small business, it's again, you know, consumers can use Zelle to send money or receive money from a small business like a landlord or dog walker, your landscapers, things like that. So really it's just another way to open up uh, the use cases for Zelle, uh, have different groups be able to send and receive and really, you know, grow the business that way. Those sound like the kind of innovations that should keep that growth curve rising. So Mary Helen McElfresh, Senior Director for Fraud Risk Prevention at Zelle, thanks again for being with us on the podcast. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate it. Three takeaways from today's podcast with Mary Helen McElfresh. First, person-to-person payments are rising sharply, and if anything, that trend is likely to accelerate. And while the younger generations of digital natives are most likely to use P2P payments, adoption is growing rapidly among Gen X and the boomers. A Zelle survey last year found that half of its new users were 45 or older. More users means more transactions, which means more opportunity for scammers and fraudsters to steal money from the unlucky and the unwary. It also means there's more on the line for those whose job is protecting users from this growing risk. When it comes to making a person-to-person payment, the best advice is to play it safe in who you deal with. Only send digital payments to those you know and trust. This is the first layer of protection for consumers, and it's the one that stands to have the most impact in reducing fraud transactions. Because P2P payments are becoming more commonplace, it's in the best interest of financial institutions to repeat this advice over and over until it's second nature behavior for consumers. And third, banks participating in the Zelle network regularly share what they know about current fraud trends with each other. The point is not to just manage fraud, but to try to get out ahead of these trends so that it's not as easy for a scheme to move from one financial institution to the next. One notable fraud scheme these days is token flipping, where a fraudster frequently changes the phone number or email identifier on their account to try to avoid detection. Another is one-time passcode fraud, which involves trying to get account access by tricking someone into revealing a bank passcode over the phone. Thanks for joining us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. 
I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor of BAI. Until next time, take care and stay safe.